0: we could do better than that. Good morning again. That sounds a little bit better. I'd like to take this time to welcome you to the village. Uh, Welcome to the village where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Scanning the QR code located on the front of the worship guide allows you to connect to all online information about our church. The giving of the tithing offering along with the social media platform all in one place. Guests, please click on the menu item for the first time guest. At the Village Church we believe that the giving of tithing offering is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and the mission of the church online or you may mail a check to our address at 2103 Virginia Boulevard Huntsville, Alabama 35811 or after the service you may may drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. We welcome Pastor Thurman Williams of New Fellowship West End to our pulpit today. We do welcome. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. <laughs> Life Together. Today after the worship, a brief information meeting for village kids, parents, and volunteers immediately following morning worship. This week, Thursday, August the 3rd, 7 a.m., Shipman Men's Group at Jess Loves Coffee. Shiftman's Men's Group at Just Loves Coffee. At 5 p.m., the Goodman Men's Group in the church house. At 5 p.m., the Goodman's Men in the Group in the church house. Friday, August the 4th, 6.30 a.m., O'Neill Men's Group at Bridge Street, Panera Bread. 6.30 a.m., O'Neill's Men's Group at Bridge Street, Panera Bread. Sunday, August the 6th, a.m. Worship service with communion focused on ministry partners, Lincoln Village. These are your announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly.
1: Good
2: morning. Y'all are already clapping stuff. That's good. We're ready to go, huh? Amen. Uh,
3: Matthew 11, Mm -hmm. verse
2: 28 says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And we are able to do that because God loves us, not just that he loves me. He so loved the world. So join with me with this song. able for our call to worship. You'll find it on the screen as well as in your worship guide. The reading this morning comes from Psalm uh, 18 verses 1 through 3a. Please join with me where it notes people as well as all. Oh, I love you. O Lord, my strength, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Amen. He is worthy to be praised.
1: Lord, our God and King, is come and do it forever.
3: For he is good, he is above all.
1: A mighty Hand and Arch jerks horn
2: And so we can sing,
3: wherever God is.
0: Lee has walked into the building. We got to keep the ongoing tradition. You guys look beautiful this morning, really beautiful. Now we have a time that where we'll just take time to focus on our Lord and have a prayer of praise and thank Him for the good things that He has done. So let us pray. Lord, You are good, and Your mercy endures forever. Lord, You are good. And your mercy endures forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord, for being all that we're not. Thank you, Lord, for being those things we could not be. Thank you, Lord, for we do not even deserve you. We don't deserve your kindness. We don't deserve your compassion. We don't deserve your love. But, Lord, you are good. Your word says you are good. And, Lord, we have an opportunity just to see it on a daily basis how faithful you are. But, Lord, how soon we forget how good you really are when trials come up, temptations come, those unwanted things just seem to come out of nowhere that's put a bump in the road during the week. Kids may get sick, but, Lord, you cause them to get well, stomach viruses and things of that nature. We think the kids get well because just time. But Lord, you are time. You are good. Lord, you heal the sick. You've raised the dead. You are good. You heal knees, Lord, you are good. People that are mentally unstable become stable because of you through the work of your Holy Spirit and your power and your might. You are good. Marriage is struggle. You are good. And Lord I pray that you will help us to focus on you and not focus on the circumstance when hard times come when you got to do sermon prep and it's the last minute and don't know how the sermon going to come out you are good so Lord we thank you for the sermon that's coming today I pray that my, my Pastor Williams would decrease that you would increase I thank you for him coming down to share what you have put on his heart Lord Lord I pray that he will have conviction and that it will have power it will come across just the way you designed it. Lord, I thank you for protecting your people throughout the week. Lord, we are beautiful because you are with us. We look good because you're with us. Because you cleaned us up, Lord. You clean us up daily from our mess. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord God. The word says if you be for us, who can be against us? So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to carry ourselves. You are walking right alongside us through every trial and every circumstance. We thank you, Lord God, for your mercy is endless. We thank you, Lord God, that you're protecting our kids. We thank you, Lord God, that you're watching over us in ways that we cannot even imagine. Thank you, Lord God, for you being you to us, Lord God. And all these blessings we ask in your son's name. Amen. Now we will have confessions of sin. That's coming from Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. I will read it. And then we'll have a silent meditation in between. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to a human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Let us meditate. as always our master always have a way of escape and that assurance of pardon will come from Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 through 22 and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach amen
2: with me
4: But good morning, Village Church. Hey, it's so good to be back. It's so good to see you all. Thank you so much for having us back. My son Josh is here. Shout out to my son, y'all. Come on. Hey, Amen. It is so, so good to see you. I'm Thurman Williams, no relation to Amos Williams. Is, is Pastor here? Pastor Amos, thing. oh, I see Pastor Shipman in the back. Shout out to you, man. So good to see you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. I hope you all appreciate your pastor. Please don't take it for granted that you have a shepherd and a man after God's own heart who loves Jesus and, and who loves you. That's no small thing. Thanks be to God for, for you, brother, and for your, for your family. Um, thank you, worship team. Thank y'all for leading us. I, was, I, I wanted to get the words from that last song. Will you need them later? Because they're, they're so good. They really tie in to what we're going to talk about today. Thank you guys for leading us so well. If you have a Bible, open with me, and it's also going to be on the screen above me, to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And the theme I'm calling this message is if loving the Lord is wrong, then I don't want to be right. That sounds like something you need to say to your neighbor. So go ahead, turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor. I'm serious now. Tell him, if loving the Lord is wrong, I don't want to be right. All right. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for indulging me in that. Now to set the context before I read the beginning of this passage. This is a united kingdom now. David was the king of Hebron for the first seven years, but now the entire kingdom has come together. And it's really amazing. It's really telling because one of the first things that David wants to do is get the ark and bring it back to Jerusalem. And that's where we're picking up the story, beginning in verse 1. Here now the reading of God's Word. I'll read verses 1 through 5. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. Verse 5, And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you. Your word testifies about itself that is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Working us towards all those ends, we pray in this time already. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence with us and with all those that are gathered to watch online. We pray that you continue to have your way among us. We continue to worship you. We, we need you to help us understand these words that we read. And not only that, We need you to fill us. We need you to fill us with power. Fill us with yourself so that not only do we hear these words, but we want to act in light of them. So help us to do that because we can't do it on our own. Help us to do it for your glory. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Now listen, I cannot take credit for that title. I have to give a shout-out to Reverend Brown. You can put that picture up there. Some of y'all remember him from Coming to America I think he was in both of them, but, but he had this line. He had so many classic lines, but one, I can't say it like him, but he just said, Lord, if, if loving the Lord is wrong, I don't want to be right. And, and that's what we're talking about. Honestly, that's what we see in the life of David, not just in this passage, but really through all of his life, we see a person living that is loving the Lord so much that he's saying that loving the Lord is wrong. I don't want to be right. And as we look at a lot of the saints of the Bible, we can see that same thing. And even as we think about, there's probably somebody who's responsible for you being here. Maybe it was your mama. Maybe it was your daddy. Maybe it was a praying grandma, praying auntie or uncle or a friend. Somebody that was modeling for you what it means to love the Lord with all your heart. Can you think of a person like that who's had an influence on you that that's the reason that you're in this place? But I want you to know some good news. It's not just for them. It's not just for David. It's not just for those Old Testament saints. This is also a call for us to have this kind of love for God that we love no matter what comes, no matter the circumstances, come what may, we're able to say at the end of the day of loving the Lord is wrong. I don't want to be right. Well, how do we get there? Well, let's look at the passage and see what we can learn from this text there's three things that we want to pull out. Do y'all, you have three points all the time like I do I don't know how it works out like that. It must be a Trinitarian thing that but but it, it works out that way, but we have three things and really what they are is three aspects of the Lord's character. think about somebody that you love and, and you're talking about them, and you you have things about them that you love things about who they are. well those same things are true about the Lord there's three aspects of who he is, that caused us to love him more and more. And so we just want to look at those in the passage. The first thing that we see here is we see David loving the Lord for his holiness. Loving the Lord for his holiness. And so again, just to recap what we read, the ark of of God is returning to Jerusalem, and it's been throughout the whole reign of Saul, it's been gone. So maybe this 40 years and before it's come back. And why is David so intent on bringing it back? Because at the very outset of his kingship, he wants to know, y'all, I'm happy that I, I'm the king, but I want you to know I'm not the ultimate king. God is your ultimate king. And so not just a symbol, but the very presence of God. He's saying we've got to have that in our midst to be the people that God is has called us to be. And so they bring the ark back and they're celebrating before the Lord. And you can put up that slide, that picture of what that might have looked like. And then we come to verse 6. And this is the dramatic and really traumatic turn that we find in this passage, verse 6. It says here, And when they came to the threshing floor of Nekah and Uzzah, who's one of the gentlemen carrying the ark, it says that he put out his hand to the ark of God, and he took hold of it. For so the oxen stumble. Right? So you can imagine that. As, as they're carrying it along, the oxen stumble and it's tilting. And he probably instinctively reaches out so it doesn't hit the ground. But then verse 7, it says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, And God struck him down there because of his error." And he died there beside the ark. So can you imagine being there? Amazing celebration. And all of a sudden, it comes to a halt. You can see it kind of like a wave. It slows down. Everyone's quiet. What happened? What happened? And then they find out that he struck down because he touches the ark. He doesn't realize that his own hand is just as unholy as the ground that it's about to fall on. And he struck down and he dies there. And then what does David do? How does he respond? You look at verse 8. It says, David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. And then verse 9, it says, and David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And you can imagine what he's experiencing here is what theologians would call the trauma of holiness, right? And you see that in the Bible, right? Think about in Isaiah and his call when he sees that vision in the temple and he hears the heavenly creatures. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the thresholds were shaking and then all of a sudden Isaiah starts shaking. Why? Because he realizes that he's unholy in the presence of the holy. You remember Peter in the boat with Jesus when when they're first meeting and and they have this amazing catch. You would think Peter, a fisherman, would be so excited that he'd say, let's sign him up. We're going to be rich. We're going to catch all kinds of fish. But that's not at all what he says. How does he respond when he sees the power of Jesus? He says, Lord, go away from me. Why? Because I'm a sinful man. Do you see that? He recognizes his own unholiness. In the presence of the holy. And so that's what David is faced with. And then look at verse 10. So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Now, I always wondered, how did Obed-Edom feel about this? Right? David was like, oh no, the ark of God, someone died touching it. Send it to his house. I'd be like, what? My house? No. But then look at what happens. Verse 11. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. So verse 12. It was told to King David, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David, we're rejoicing. Can you imagine being in Obed-Edom's shoes? What, what? You didn't want it now? You wanted it? My house is blessed. It's good to be the king, I guess. (laughs) But he goes back with rejoicing. Why is he rejoicing? Right here he's rejoicing because of the holiness of God. And particularly what he realizes is there's a holy God who makes a way for unholy people. To be able to be in His presence. Right? We were just singing that. What did we say? Lord, You are the Holy One. The light of Your presence leaves sinners undone. And that's what happened. But then they realize, and they're getting a preview, but clothed in the righteousness of Your Son, in love, You bid us to come. That's why He's exalted. So we love the Lord, first of all, because of his holiness. Now, how do we apply that? A couple ways. One is to join the choir. Join the choir in giving him praise, glory to his holy name. Worship the Lord in the presence of his holiness. In the first Chronicles version of this passage, at the very end of it, they've got this long extended psalm of praise because of who God is. Can we just stop for a second and give God praise right here? Is that all right? Can we give God praise? Now, y'all clapping like you on the golf course. I'm saying give God praise for who he is. He's holy. He's worthy of the highest praise. But then another application before we move on is to ask both questions. When you're in the storm. And what I'm referring to is I'm thinking about kids. Do y'all have a favorite passage with Jesus? Do you think about one of my favorites is when Jesus is in the boat with the guys and, the, and then he's asleep. Y'all know the story I'm talking about? And there's this storm that comes on the ocean and, the, and Jesus is asleep. And the guys are afraid. And they ask Jesus a question. They wake him up. And do you remember what they say? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? And what I'm saying to you is in light of who the Lord is, it's all right to ask that question. Maybe you come in here today and you're feeling like, "Lord, don't you care if I drown in my anxiety? Don't you care if I drown in my shame? Don't you care if I drown in my guilt? Don't you care if I drown in my sorrow, in my hardship, whatever it is that that you came in with today?" Teacher, don't you care? If we drown in this thing that threatens to destroy us. And I'm saying to you, go ahead and ask that question. Because what did they do? They asked him a the question. They woke him up. Jesus stands up. I don't think this is what they were expecting to happen. But he speaks to the winds and the waves and says, peace, be still. And they do. And then it's amazing in, in Mark's gospel, I think, it says that before when there's a storm, they're afraid. But then after the storm is over, it says they're terrified. (laughs) And you're like, why? What? Why are they terrified when the storm is over? Because they realize they're in the boat with the one who's the master of the storm. And remember the second question? They said, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey? Oh, won't you ask both questions? Go ahead and ask him, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care if we drown? But don't forget to ask the second one. Who is this? Who's in the boat with me? In the midst of the storm? Who is this? That even the winds and the waves obey. He's the holy one. So we love him for his holiness. Secondly, we'll move on. We also love him for his mercy. We also love him for his mercy. If you look at verse 13... Up there, it says that when they, those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. Now, what's, what's going on here? And if you put up that next slide, it's in the First Chronicles version in 15.2. I can't quite see that. I'll look, up, I'll look up here. It says, and David said that no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God. For the Lord had chosen them to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister to him forever. And you go to that next slide, it's a little later in the passage, in verse 13. Because you did not carry it out the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us. Because we did not seek him according to the rule. And so the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles. As Moses had commanded, how? according to the word of the Lord. And you can put up that picture. Maybe this is what it looked like. Do you catch what happened? David realized that they had done it the wrong way. Remember, they were carrying it on this new cart. That was, and, and they had maybe good intentions. They're trying to be respectful. That was actually the way the Philistines carried it after they captured it. But God had already prescribed in his word A holy God had prescribed how unholy people are supposed to approach him. And he had already prescribed how the ark is supposed to be carried. And so what David did is he went back to the Word of God and he followed it. They got another chance. They did it right. You said Uzzah didn't get another chance. Well, God could have wiped out all of them. And then God allowed them to come back. God had mercy on them. And so we love the Lord not just for His holiness, but we also love Him because of His mercy. There's another psalm where David says, I love the Lord for He heard my cry and, and He pitied every groan." He loved the Lord for His mercy. And so I say that to you. Love the Lord not just for His holiness, but love Him for His mercy. Now how do we, what do we take away from that? A couple things. One, Come to the way, come to God the way that he has prescribed. How has God prescribed that people should come to him? Through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, but clothe, the song says, in the righteousness of your Son. That's how, in love, you bid us to be able to come. And so I don't know about you or, or anybody that's watching online, but a holy God invites you to come to Himself, and He's also made a way through His Son, Jesus Christ, that you can come to Him through faith in Him. Come in the way that God's prescribed. Put your faith in Jesus. And there'll be some folks up here to tell you how to do that if you want to talk about that at the end of the service. But come the way God's prescribed. Secondly, learn from our failures. Do not waste your pain. Do not waste your struggle. Learn from that. Pastor, I saw something you posted just this morning. You say, well, I can win or also not just lose, I can learn from the loss. Right? I can learn from that. And I say to you, learn from that. I remember I was speaking on this passage somewhere and and my wife was in the the congregation. And I said, you know what? I've made a lot of mistakes and done a lot of things wrong in ministry. And my wife said, amen. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm like, you ain't got amen everything. (laughs) But she's right. But can you learn from those things? But finally, in terms of receiving His mercy, or loving the Lord for His mercy, we also need to receive His mercy. Receive His mercy for the errors that you've made. Listen, I know everybody in here has probably experienced some kind of church hurt. Right? And if you haven't, that means you haven't been here that long yet. (laughs) Because everybody does. Right? Pastors, ministers do too. Maybe more. You will experience that. But can I talk about the other side for a moment? As I look at my own life, in 30 years, I've been leading in pastoral ministry. And I've suffered church hurt, but as I look back, I've also inflicted church hurt. There have been people who've suffered because of my sin, because of my pride, or my cowardice. Or my selfishness. And maybe the people that I love the most, right, my wife, my kids, some of my best friends have suffered in ministry because of me, because of my um, sin, because of my hurt, because of how I've hurt them. And maybe you're in that boat, maybe not as a pastor, but in some way where other people have been impacted. And what I say to you, on the one hand, learn from that and turn from it. But on the other hand, receive his mercy. Did you hear me today? I said receive his mercy. Maybe we struggle with that more often than not. Can you receive his mercy today? That's one of the things I love about David is that he, he really feels stuff. He really hurts and struggles. He's not blowing it off and saying, oh, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Just go over it and neither is he wallowing in despair. He just comes and says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. How can he have the courage to say that? Right, God, search me and do whatever you want. I mean, he's God. He does do that anyway. But, but how, how in the world can you have the courage to pray that? He can because he knows the mercy of God. Not just knowing about it, but knowing it experientially. He's tasted it. And so I invite you to the same. Love the Lord not just for His holiness, but love Him for His mercy. Come to Him through the way that He's, described, He's prescribed. Learn from your mistakes and receive His mercy. Now let's go to the last point. We see we love the Lord. For his holiness, we love the Lord for his mercy. The last part is that we love the Lord for his grace. And the way we can think about that, if we think about his mercy being that we don't receive the wrath that we do deserve because of our sin, you can think about his grace being we receive favor that we don't deserve. His unmerited favor. Well, how does that come out in this passage? We'll see. Look at verse 16. What we see here is not everybody is rejoicing. There's at least one person who isn't. It says, And the ark of the Lord came, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And what was her response? She despised him in her heart. She despised him in her heart. Now, who is Michael? She's the daughter of Saul. But who else is she? She's the wife of David. How do you know that? It's not a trick question. I'm, it's Sorry. Right. She is. That's absolutely right. But I want you to notice in this chapter, she's only described as the daughter of Saul. Nowhere in this chapter is she called the wife of David, even though that's who she is. Why is that? It's the narrator's ingenious way of pointing out something. That she is now aligning herself with the ways of her father. And thinking that's the way of a king. And you think, what happened? Right? Because one of the last times you saw her back in 1 Samuel, it calls her the wife of David. And she saves David's life. She, She sends him out the window to save his life. And now she's looking out the, the window, not loving him, but despising him. So what's happened? Have you been asking that question the last few years? What happened to the people? What I thought, love me. What happened as we've been through presidential elections? As we've, as we've been through a pandemic and different responses about whether and ma- wear to mask or not ma- wear a mask. What happened in the midst of the killing of George Floyd and all the response to that? I don't know if it's like this in Huntsville, but in St. Louis, you're like, hold on, I thought we were cool. And then all of a sudden, there's relationships that are broken. And that's what's going on here. You're like, what? What happened? You loved me before, but now she's not referred to as the wife of David, but rather the daughter of Saul. And we'll come back to her in a moment. What happens in the, in the... I didn't print these verses, but 17 through 19 is David, they come back and, and they pitch a tent for the ark. They bring it there and David pronounces a blessing over the ark and then they have great sacrifices. He blesses the people and then he gives every single family a gift. Right? This, this package of, of meat and a cake of raisins and a cake of bread. I'm from Baltimore. We say he gave everybody a chicken box. Everybody... In the whole kingdom, got a chicken box. Can you imagine that? Amazing. Amazing. Do y'all have those here in Huntsville? or You got something else here, right? Papa, okay, all right. It's kind of like the two-piece at Popeye's. It's, that's what he gave every single family in the kingdom. Amazing. Sharing that blessing with everybody. And so then he goes home to bless his own household. And now we come to verse 20. And here are the words that Michael speaks. It says, David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today. Uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. You can, you can feel the contempt coming off the page that she sang these words with, that word that's translated, vulgar fellows, she's in essence saying, David, you ain't nothing but a thug. That's what you are. That's what she's saying. What happened? Why is she so mad at him? Why is she reacting this way? Is he that bad of a dancer? Is it a case of a husband embarrassing his wife? Right, we do that all the time, but I mean, he's a musician, so you figure he's probably got some rhythm. I don't think it's that. But is it more of a class thing? I mean, at least for David. I don't know. Is Is it more of a class thing? Where she said, oh, my girlfriends told me I shouldn't have married a shepherd boy. See, I knew it. I should have married a prince. But I have this thing for bad boys, and so I married him. I knew I shouldn't have done it. You can take the boy out of Bethlehem, but you can't take the Bethlehem out of the boy. I knew I shouldn't have done that. Is that, is that what's going on here? Maybe there's a little bit of that. But much more of what it is, is in that culture, it's considered improper to dance before someone who's lesser in rank than you are. She's saying, you're not supposed to be dancing before the, chef, the slave girl. They're supposed to be dancing before you. By, by that definition, the king shouldn't be dancing before anybody because he's got the highest Ranks. he's saying, what kind of king are you? This is embarrassing. That's why he said, how the king dishonored himself today. You're not supposed to be dancing before anybody. Well, how does David respond? Verse 21. And David said to Michael, <laughs> it was before the Lord who chose me above your father. And above all his house, to appoint me as a prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And he says it again at the end. I will celebrate how? Before the Lord. Do you catch what he's saying? He's saying, honey, you had it twisted. You think I'm wrong because you thought I was dancing before the slave girls. But what I need to remind you of is I'm dancing before the Lord. And so I'm not dancing before somebody lesser in status than me. I'm dancing before the Lord. I will celebrate before the Lord. Do you get that today? He's celebrating before the Lord. That's the one. And, and and as we look at what he says, we look at that and we say, He chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince. And we think, oh, he's throwing some shade now. Woo! He's sleeping on the couch today, Lord. But it's deeper than that. Do you know what he's doing? Is What he's doing is he's recounting the grace of God in his life. He's saying, honey, you don't understand my praise. See, you weren't there when God anointed me, when I was the lowest one in the lowest family, but God brought me all the way up to the top. You weren't there. When God protected me against the lion and the bear. You weren't there when God provided for me against the giant. You didn't see the times God met me. And even though I was ready to give up on myself, God didn't give up on me. You don't understand how God was gracious to me. So please, you you might have to give me some room. I got to praise him. Because he's worthy. He's too good. He's been too kind. He's been too gracious. And so I'll make a fool of myself because i got to praise the Lord. And that's essentially what he says. He says, I will make myself yet more contemptible. He says, you think that was bad? (laughs) Honey, it's about to get worse. (laughs) And I will be abased in your eyes. You're going to feel worse about me. But look at this other part. This is real interesting because it says, but... By the female servants of whom you've spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. That's interesting. And isn't that the way the gospel works? The people on the bottom get it. (laughs) The slave girls will understand, but the queen doesn't get it. The eyes of faith see something that the eyes of unbelief don't get. And they're going to believe. And then this last verse I want to mention before we, we wrap up. It says that Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. And I don't want to pass by that too quickly. Because I know that can be a painful verse to read as you see that. Because maybe some, you, you've experienced that. Or maybe people close to you have experienced that same thing. And so I don't want to skip on, by that. This is one of the things that we bring to God and say, Teacher, don't you care if we drown in this sorrow? Don't you care if we drown in this desire that hasn't been fulfilled? So I don't want to pass by that. Carry that to the Master. Bring that to the One who made you and who loves you. So why is it here, Pastor? One of the reasons this is here in the passage is because the writer is making clear that there will be no one that has any relation to Saul who will ever have claim to the throne. That's why this is here, because he has told Saul earlier, I'm removing you from the kingdom and no one from your line will ever sit on the throne again in Israel. And that's why that's there. It's saying that God is keeping his word and he's bestowing his grace upon the house of David. And so what David is saying here is he's loving the Lord, not just for his holiness, not just for his mercy, but here he's loving the Lord for his grace. He's saying, honey, if loving the Lord is wrong, then I don't want to be right. If loving him is wrong, I don't want to be right. And so what can we take away before we end? We'll recognize that all that we do is also before the Lord. And and you know that in one sense, right? Because we give an account for the things that we're responsible for. And that's absolutely true. But that's not what I'm talking about here. Everything that we do is an expression of worship that we give to God. When I preach, I preach before the Lord. When you sing, you sing before the Lord. Now wait, what time is it? It's it's now uh, 1031, thank you, on Sunday. At 1031 on Monday, when you're in a classroom, when you're in a kitchen, when you're on a construction site, when you're in an office building, you are doing that thing before the Lord. Everything that you do, not just on Sunday when you're in the worship service, but Monday through Saturday, at every second of every day, you are getting the opportunity to do what you do before the Lord as an offering and an act of worship for who He is. The other application is just remember to take some time to recount the wonders of His grace. Especially if you come in today, you're feeling the, the face of criticism. Like David was, you're feeling the scorn of other people. You're feeling, maybe you're just feeling down on yourself. Maybe you need to just make some space and say, hold on, testify to yourself. Hold on, remember where God found you. Remember where God brought you from. And maybe you've got to tell somebody, you don't understand. You don't understand my praise. You don't understand why there's tears running down my eyes because you weren't there when God found me. You weren't there when everybody else gave up on me. You weren't there when I gave up on myself. But God reached down and lifted me up. Is there anybody glad today that God didn't give up on them? Is there anybody glad today that God showered you with His grace? you got to take some time to go back and recount the wonders of the grace of God. If loving the Lord is wrong, we don't want to be right. We love the Lord for the splendor of His holiness. We love the Lord for the richness of His mercy. Oh, we love the Lord for the greatness of His grace. And the good news today is that actually we have more reason than David did. We know more than he did. What what You say, what you mean, Pastor? Because we know the one to whom David pointed. We know the greater David. (laughs) See, we know the one who is really God with us. We know the one who in himself is the holiness and the mercy and the grace of God. We know the one who on the cross also saw the wrath of God break out against him. We know the one who was treated as unholy so that we could be made holy. We know the one through all of his life on the way to the cross and on the cross who said, if loving the Lord is wrong, then I don't want to be right. Listen to this. We know the one who looked at you and said, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. We love. Why? Ultimately, because he first loved us. He said, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. And so, with whatever we do, let us do so loving the Lord for his holiness, loving him for his mercy, and loving him for his grace. If loving him is wrong, we don't want to be right. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the beauty of your holiness. Thank you for the richness of your mercy. And thank you for the greatness of your grace. But Lord, we love again only because you first loved us. We thank you for this David, but we thank you more for the David to whom he points. The one who didn't have any errors of his own, but has paid the penalty for ours. The one who clothes us with his righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And help us to live our lives with whatever we're facing, whatever we're doing, whatever we're going through. Help us to live our lives saying not just with our lips, but with those lives. If loving you is wrong, we don't want to be right. All this we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
2: Oh, I'll get up. Amen. Amen. If you would please stand. sermon comes uh, with the benediction there's an announcement that's gone out and it's on the back of the worship guide concerning jam sessions for our tvc musicians please come out and fellowship with us it's this wednesday night as well as next wednesday you are free to come to either whichever works for your schedule or both but i do need if you are even contemplating it Please email me and let me know. I need to hear from you before you come, okay? And I'll be around a little bit this um, after service. So if you have a question, feel free to stop me and ask, okay? Thank you so much. Come on, brother.
4: And now receive the benediction. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. And to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and dominion both now and forevermore. Amen. Go in his peace.